you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bible to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we've come to the conclusion of this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Um, It was a church that was uh, started in a place where Paul and Silas had been imprisoned for doing what God told them to do. Total violation of their rights as Roman citizens. And uh, Paul was imprisoned there and in the midst of that suffering, gave praise to God, and God sent an earthquake, set them free, and instead of just running to get out of the place, Paul stayed around, kept everybody else there, told the jailer, don't be afraid, we're all still here, and then led the jailer and his family to faith in Christ and baptized them. um, That was a, a vital part of the beginning of that church. Now Paul is again in prison, this time not in a dungeon, he's under house arrest, and um, in Rome, and so he has the ability to greet people and, and so forth, but he's, he's still, nevertheless, a prisoner. And at the conclusion of this letter, we read these words. This is Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. This is God's word. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. 
The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Paul has been encouraging the church to rejoice, and he is setting an example again right here. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have revived your concern for me. They have sent through Epaphroditus, who if you'll remember earlier in the letter was spoken of, um, they have sent him uh, a bunch of resources. And, um, and he's, he's received them, he wants to know he's received them, and he wants to say thank you. This part of the letter is his thank you note. But he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've re- revived your concern for me. It had been a long time since he'd gotten anything from that church. And then he says, indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I'm not saying you, never, you didn't care during the interim. I'm saying there was no way for you to send anything to me. There was not a way for you to help me out. But he says, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then he's, he's thinking. Now, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. But he's having to think again about how are they going to take this? What are they going to think I mean by that? And he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Just think about that for a moment. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, this, in case you didn't notice, blows a giant hole in the false gospel of prosperity that is so rampant here in our country and being exported all over the world like cancer. The idea of the health and wealth gospel is that God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have a beautiful big home, whatever kind of car you want, God wants to give you those things. What holds you back from receiving it is your lack of faith. And what you need to do is just believe God and you will get those things. And if you want to show God that you believe Him and that you are trusting in Him and believing that you will be rich, send me a check. We also take credit cards. I mean, that's basically the scam that doesn't call people to Christ, doesn't talk about our need for a savior. It talks about our need for a bigger house, a newer car, 
a better job. That's not what it's about. You and I are sinners, all of us. What we deserve is God's wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent forth his Son to give us eternal life. That's what we desperately need. The Apostle Paul had a lot more faith than any of those TV preachers. And God did a lot more miraculous things through him than he has through any of those TV preachers. But Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be rich by faith. Is that what he says? No. He's, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. The man's a prisoner in Rome. But he's not writing to say, please pray that God's going to get me out of here. It's really, it's really getting to me. No. He's content. Because God's using him, even as a prisoner in Rome. Notice at the very end of the letter, he says, hey, those who are part of Caesar's household send you greetings. Paul's a missionary while a prisoner. And he's been leading people who work for Caesar to faith in Christ. They may be employed by or slaves of the emperor, but they are children of God. And they recognize their assignment there as part of Caesar's household to be where God wants them to serve him by serving a guy who's a bad guy. Well, I, I, I don't understand why God would want someone to work for someone who's not a good person. Well, then start in the Old Testament and work your way forward and you will find over and over and over and over that God put some of his best servants serving others who were hostile toward God. Daniel, he was the best servant that Nebuchadnezzar had, but he was doing it as unto the Lord. Okay, I remember Daniel. Well, you remember Joseph? Who was he working for? He was working for God. He was working for God by serving Pharaoh. Before that, he was serving Potiphar. While he was in jail, he was under the authority of the jailer. But everywhere he was, whoever he was working for, he was serving the Lord. That's what you and I are to do. So Paul, as a prisoner, says, I'm content. I'm content. It's okay. God's at work. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. Didn't he have faith? Yes, he had faith. And that's why he knew what it was to be content when he was in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. There are some people who recognize that that prosperity gospel is a lie, it is a false gospel, it is of the devil, and they believe that if you want to serve God, you need to make sure you never 
never have any wealth. Okay? Because if you've got money, you must be in sin. So you've got this group over here that's saying what the devil says, which is, if you have wealth, God is pleased. If you don't have wealth, it's because you're not walking in faith. Okay? And you've got these people parroting a different lie from the devil that says, if you are blessed by God with material things, it must be because you're not really walking closely with God. Okay? Because spiritual people don't have anything. All right? I, I have a dear friend. He's, he's now walking in better health and balance. But he grew up in the midst of phenomenal wealth. I mean, we're talking about just gazillionaires, okay? And, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to give away too much about who I'm talking about, but let's just say uh, he had a lot of wealth in his family and in his neighborhood even more so. I mean, it was just absolutely astounding. We're talking about, we're not talking about a nice upper middle class neighborhood in, in suburbia somewhere. We're talking about one of the enclaves of the wealthiest people in America. That's where he grew up. And he saw the emptiness of that. He saw that that cannot satisfy. And so he decided to drive a clunker of a car and to get all of his clothes from goodwill. And he, he dressed like, like he was impoverished, okay? And you'd never look at his car and think, boy, I bet that guy came from blue blood family. Why? Because he was basically rebelling against the materialism that he saw growing up. Well, good for him. He got an apartment that was roach infested in the inner city. And he, he I mean, it would, and some of us were concerned about him. He was plenty intelligent and he loved the Lord, but he really just felt like I can't have anything to do with that. And so he didn't for a long time until he learned that it's okay to have money. The question is, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use what God has entrusted to you for the glory of God and the good of others? Folks, with current events, many of us are realizing all the more that our time on earth is temporary. While I have many on my heart that I pray will surrender to Jesus, I'm beginning to get very excited about soon spending forever with Him. Can you relate? If you're like many of us who are rethinking our wills, I'd like to ask you to consider leaving a gift to support the kids at Wears Valley Ranch. We have a program called Legacy 145. It's based on Psalm 145.4. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. If participating in something that will pass on the gospel to future generations after you're in heaven interests you, go to wvr.org and click on the icon for Legacy 145. That's wvr.org 
and click on the Legacy 145 button. Or you can give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. That's 866-41-ABIDE. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, Paul says, as a man of faith, he knew what it was to be in need. He's going to say right here, my God will meet all your needs. How's he going to meet your needs if you never have any? Think about that. One of the ways we see the glory of God and the love and concern of God is when he steps in and meets a need. You'll never have that experience without going through need. Some of the most amazing miracles I've seen in my life in terms of God's provision have been here at the ranch when God allowed us to get in a position where it's like, okay, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but Lord, you're in charge. This place belongs to you. We're counting on you. Please, Lord, just do what it takes. And God says, now. And I mean, just amazing. I've shared the story numerous times over the years, about 1994, when we had just opened our second house, and we got down to a few hundred dollars in the bank. It was summertime, we had all these startup expenses, and people generally don't give as much in the summer. And so, we were praying, but our insurance man showed up unexpectedly and said, your workman's comp is been with thus and such a company, and they're no longer going to do workman's comp for anybody. They're getting out of that part of the business. So we're going to have to get you signed up for workman's comp with another company. And he said, can I please go over your payroll and see what the new rate will be for next year? I said, sure. So he sat there in the office, and he went over the numbers. There weren't as many numbers back then. He went over the numbers. He saw, you know, how many hours is this guy working maintenance and how much does he make per hour? How many hours is this person working as a secretary and how much does she make per hour? How much are you getting paid as the executive director? Went over all that in 1994 and he says, okay, your, your bill for next year is going to be uh, $2,742.26 or something like that. It's $2,700 and something. Okay? And uh, I said, I don't think we have $2,700. Well, he was a little bit surprised by that because, you know, I mean, here we're trying to open a second home for kids, Laurel Ridge, and uh, you, you don't have $2,700? No, I don't think we do. So the secretary sat there and she did it and she said, no, this is how much we've got. And it was, I don't know, $1,500 maybe? And I said, well... He said, well, well, we'll go ahead and, and take care of it, and you just pay us when you get the money. I said, no. And he said, well, it's not due till the end of the year, but I want to get it established ahead of time so we're not scrambling at the end of the year. I said, I understand. And I said, but I, I don't want you to, do, to send it in until we have the money. And he said, well, don't be concerned. I said, I am concerned because God always meets our needs in time. We always have what we need when we need it. And you're here, and you're asking for $2,700, and I don't have $2,700 to give you. 
I said, here's what we'll do. I'll write you a check for half of it. And then when the other half comes in, I'll send you that. But meanwhile, you don't send it off because we not only don't borrow from the bank and we don't take government funds, but we don't want to borrow from you. He's like, okay, okay, I understand. So he left, he said, as he's going out, can I take my wife and secretary and drive around the loop to just show them what you're doing here? I said, yes, I'd love for you to. And the secretary in the office said, uh, I'm going to go check the mail. Well, to try and shorten this story, there was a check in the mail for $2,700. Praise the Lord is right! Hallelujah! I wrote the other half, caught up with the guy, handed him the check before he got off the property. He was stunned. He never forgot that. Okay? But, but here's the thing. If we'd had $50,000 in our account and we got a check for $2,700, I would have said, well, that's nice. But when we needed $2,700 and we didn't have it, and God sent it the day that we needed it, <laughs> that is the kind of thing you remember. And what it tells you is, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He says, now I know you've, you've been supporting me for a long time. You were the first and you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. I'm not looking for a gift. I'm looking to what may be credited to your account. I want you to know I am grateful for what you've already done, Paul tells the Philippians. I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I've received what you sent. And he says, and I want you to know that just as God has used you to supply what I needed, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How, how much does God have? He owns the universe. He made the place. He spoke it into being. Everything belongs to him. And you know what God says to his children? All things are yours. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, who is the heir of all things. So well, sometimes I feel like I'm in need. That's so that God can meet your needs. It's so that you learn to trust and depend on him. Please do not think that if you're really walking in faith, you're never going to go through times of need. If you are walking in faith, it may not be financial need, but you'll have needs. You'll have needs. And God will meet them. He will meet them. Then he says in conclusion, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We said it at the start of our study of this letter. I'm going to say it again here as Paul mentions it in the conclusion. Who are the saints? The saints are the people of God. Those who've been born again, washed in the blood. 
those who belong to Jesus. We are the saints. Well, <laughs> you know, I know uh, I'm no saint. Well, then you need to be born again. Okay? If you're really a Christian, you're a saint. Well, I don't always live like it. Well, you need to change. Repent. Because Jesus has called us to holiness. And the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.